Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by Doug Gordon. Good afternoon, Doug. Hey, Pete. How are you doing? Doing awesome. Listen, thanks very much for coming on. You're, uh, you're tried and tested. You're, you're well used to broadcasting. So give us a bit of a background. Who are you? What are you doing? Where are you from? Sure. Thanks, Pete. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, so, well, I, um, I was born and bred in Ireland, uh, moved over to England uh, when I was eight, and then Belgium when I was 14, and then went to uni in England, and my parents moved over to uh, America for three years, um, so I was tracing back and forth there, but then uh, eventually they moved back uh, to Ireland, uh, but I was living in England, um, and uh, I did engineering in university, and then went, uh, uh, I had an engineering uh, job, but it was in a foundry, and uh, I walked into the foundry in a suit, and uh, I'd come home every day, Kate in soot. And uh, my girlfriend at the time took one look at me and said, uh, if you think you're coming anywhere near me, you can bugger right off. So uh, at that point, I thought, well, maybe I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I had a look around. And uh, my father was working in the investment management industry. And I heard Fidelity were looking for someone um, on their customer broker line, uh, which is like customer services line. So um, yeah, applied for a job, got a job there. I was working as a customer services rep, basically taking 120 calls a day. Um, for about a year and a half and then got into sales support with uh, Lazard up in London, uh, then sales with Lazard, then sales management um, in uh, HSBC asset management, uh, then the managing director of HSBC moved across to what was Morley, which is now Aviva Investors, and he poached me across uh, as an investment sales manager, uh, then a guy I knew in the industry who was head of sales at Columbia Threadneedle pulled me across to Threadneedle, and I was there for nine years. And uh, during that time, I did an industry record. I, well, I joined Threadneedle in 2006, and um, there was about 50 million coming in in the, in the area that I was looking after. And then in 2012, um, I brought in 1.75 billion. Um, so I was highly successful there. On the side, I played National League, Premier League hockey. Um, I used to, I went to Loughborough University. I was in the first team there, playing alongside internationals and everything like that. Um, and then, um, Basically, in uh, 2008, obviously, markets hit, and it was really tough for everybody in the investment world, uh, well, in the whole world. And uh, by the end of 2008, we, were, we, we had to let go of quite a lot of people. Um, I'm quite empathic towards energy, so I could feel stress within the environment. And after um, uh, you know, a short while, I started getting very stressed myself. And even though I was you know, top form in the team, ended up getting stressed, and that stress led to ailment after ailment, doctor after doctor. Um, and specialist after specialist. Uh, one thing I say, Pete, is in the investment management world, uh, we used to have this saying in terms of how we do our investments, we use these top-down macroeconomic kind of viewpoint and this bottom-up stock-picking viewpoint and everything like that. I wish I hadn't said that. And my first thing I'd tell everybody is, be very careful what comes out of this, because you can create with this very, very quickly. Because I had two of those cameras top-down and two of those cameras bottom-up. Um, and I'd rather not have had either experience, I have to say. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, then, yeah, so by the end of 2009, I needed two operations on my digestive tract, which went wrong. 
And then I, for the next three years, I was waking up sometimes maybe 10 times a night with uh, abdominal pain, which was so strong. It was like I was being punched in the stomach. And it was absolute agony. And it was hard for me. It was hard for my uh, ex-wife now. Um, and it was ex probably a little bit due to do with that as well. Um, and uh, we just had our second child as well in 2008. So that didn't help, obviously, with sleepless nights. I had that on to waking up 10 times a night as well. You can imagine how I felt most days. Um, but I went in and obviously performed still in, in work. Um, but then after three years in 2012, uh, we're obviously in a, in, a, in, a, in a contagious environment in terms of the virus. Well, I got a virus. I got the norovirus, which is like a stomach bomb. And it was pretty lethal. I mean, there's a couple of people who actually died from it. Well, quite a few people died for it um, back in the day. And um, I basically went through 10 days of chronic dehydration. And at the end of the 10 days, my electrolytes were so far down, I was having heart issues. And uh, I rang NHS Direct, and NHS Direct straight away sent a ambulance down. And I was in the ambulance, ECG said heart, blood pressure doubled. Um, arrived into A&E. Of course, you know, when you arrive into A&E, you're, you're bricking yourself enough. And next minute you're seeing blood over there, you know, screaming over there. And that makes it twice as bad. So, and then I'm looking at the, uh, the blood pressure kit and like mine, I'm, I'm super fit, right? So my blood pressure is normally like 115 over 70. And looking at this thing at like 250 over something. And I'm like going, holy crap. So I'm kind of on the edge thinking, shit, this is it, this is it, this is it. And um, they put me in one of those trays and they're wheeling me down to x-ray um because um they thought there was a blockage in the stomach and on the way down to x-ray it's like the whole world just stopped and i was encapsulated in this amazing feeling of love energy and connection nothing like i'd ever had before if you take your best orgasm and times it by about 20 you wouldn't even get close and at that point i just thought wow what's going on and there was no man with a beard but there was a living conscious loving energy that was surrounding within, within me and nothing like I ever felt before. And there's no voice, but there's kind of like an inner knowing of a, of a message being sent to me saying, look, you're gonna be fine, but you need to change your life in some way or form. So I was like, okay. Uh, and then uh, next minute I'm waking up in X-ray um, and I'm suddenly really feeling a lot better. And within, I think four or five hours, I was out of the, uh, the hospital and I had this kind of like spiritual experience, obviously, so I felt, I had to give back in some way or form. So um, I heard about this. I wasn't really religious or anything like that. Uh, I went as a kid, obviously, but uh, I wasn't really religious. Um, and I heard of this course called the Alpha Course, which is like a church course, which actually Bear Grylls had done it. Um, and uh, I talk about this a lot on stage. And actually, I met Bear Grylls in January, actually, over here. Um, but um, I thought, you know, well, if it's good enough for an ex-SAS guy, it's probably good enough for, you know, a puny hockey player. Um, so, um, so at that point, uh, I went and did this course and um, I wasn't sure, to be honest with you, because I'd, uh, I had this experience and I arrived there and obviously I believe in Jesus, but I said to them, I said, look, I truly believe that like uh, river, uh, religions are like rivers to the sea and it doesn't matter which one you go down, they're all beautiful as long as you get to the sea, which is either God or universal energy or whatever you believe in, it doesn't matter what you call it. And I said that to them and they said, well, look, maybe that's like Buddhism or something like that. Maybe you should consider something else. So I went away and I wasn't sure. And I put it out to the universe and just said, look, give me a sign of whether I should go back or not. And no joke, Pete, what I'm going to tell you now is the God's honest truth. Um, two days later, I'm running with my dog because I used to run all the time and doing a 5K run. The dog's down the side. The dog suddenly cuts across me and I went flying over the dog 
landed down on my right hand side, literally scraping my hand and my knee to shreds. Like blood all over the place, freaking slapping the dog, you know, blood all over the dog and all this kind of stuff. Um, I didn't hurt the dog, obviously, I was just cross. Um, and um, went back home, and of course, my ex-wife is looking at me going, Jade, what have you done? And anyway, we cleaned the cuts off and everything like that. And the next day, I wake up and I'm kind of a bit sore still, so I have a look down. I'm like, whoa, that's weird. And on my, on my palm of my hand, I had two infinity signs or two eights. And then I had another infinity sign on my eight, on my, on my knee as well. So it's like eight, eight, eight. I said to my ex-wife, I said, well, thank God it's not six, six, six. Anyway, so, uh, so anyway, obviously, uh, eight, eight, eight was a lucky number. I went into work that day and uh, I was sitting next to a guy who was very, very religious um, in Threadneedle at the time. And uh, I showed him the two on my palm of my hand. And he said, he said, forget the blooming eights, Doug. Have you seen what's in the middle? And I was like, what, no? And I looked down, and sure enough, in small writing, I've still got the photographs, in small writing, I had the letters of the cross, I-N-R-I. -I. And it was a big I, big N, small R, small I. So it was like saying, Jesus of Nazareth here, not really king of the Jews, get back and do that course. So I went back and did the course, got very into the religious stuff initially, helped promote, because I was obviously a sales guy, helped promote the Alpha course. But then I read more, and I still went back to that analogy that I said earlier on about rivers to the sea so at that point i then thought okay well i want to learn about other religions as well so i started learning about jainism uh, judaism um you know buddhism everything and then gradually orientated more towards spirituality as a whole rather than any individual um religion and i met i met the dalai lama i met some amazing spiritual people over the time and you just kind of get led and obviously I then, I wanted to heal myself because of the ailments that I'd had in the past. So I started getting into healing and uh, then obviously because of the mind-body connection, uh, I then got into life coaching and then life coaching led to business coaching and performance coaching because of the hockey. And I was always a hockey coach anyway as well. And then someone asked me to do a talk on stage and then so I went on stage and did this talk and it kind of went really well and then someone asked me to do a radio show and then another one and then I did a global radio show and then I thought you know what I could do a radio show and then um, I put my affirmations in place and my vision board in place and within one month I had a radio show and then I was asked to do something called Fit CEO which is like Ireland's first strategic wellness conference and I had four uh, CEOs there ask me to come into their business and uh, let's say, say the first one I did was in January 2018 and uh, I was paid several thousand um, for going in for an hour talk. And I thought, you know what, if I can get paid this for just doing an hour talk, uh, there's something in this. So um, I started doing it and then my, my, started my radio show as well. My radio show went from zero uh, to, I had 136,000 people listen when I had Jamie Heaslip on um, and uh, about 120,000 when I had Stuart Lancaster on and uh, similar when I had Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Soup and Soul on as well. So it's just been brilliant. And then the business has gone through, like I do, I now have set a business up called, which is called DNS Performance Optimization, which is coaching, consulting, corporate training, and also a capital introductory service because of my investment background. So I'm currently selling, if anybody's interested, I'm currently selling Skelling's Chocolates business, um, which is a fantastic business, very profitable, um, and has been going for several years. And the guy's just looking to retire, that's all. So that's in a nutshell. I'm also a partner of a, um, a new business which is coming out, which is like a LinkedIn copy, um, uh, or it's called Wazoo. 
Um, and I've got a TV show coming out as well, um, which is going to be, it's on a new station that's going to be on a mix of Apple and Amazon Prime as well. Uh, I think that's about it. It's not bad. You've done all right. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's, that's quite some journey. Uh, are you where you're supposed to be? Um, well, am I where I'm supposed to be? Um, the, the biggest thing for me um, is to try, my aim in life is to try and help people um, find and connect with their true self and in turn uh, find and connect with their true mission in life. And that has a lot to do with in terms of loving oneself and loving your true self and then finding your true self and finding what your true mission is in life. So am I in my, in my mission? Yes. Um, am I in the completely right state? No. Um, I, uh, I, look, I've been through a lot. So um, three and a half years ago, at the same time that I left the corporate world, um, I also uh, went through a marriage split. Um, basically, after near-death experience, we just kind of grew apart. Um, we're still friends. Uh, she's living with a lovely guy and all that kind of stuff. And he's great with my children. It's all amicable, but it was tough. And then, um, and then after that, then I had a girlfriend for two years who I was massively in love with. And unfortunately, when COVID happened, um, it's hard for women coming into uh, a guy who's got baggage and a family and all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of hit toll, you know, um, during COVID and all that kind of stuff. So am I perfect? Absolutely not. Am I trying to learn every day to be a better person every single day? A hundred percent. And you talked about connecting to your true self. I mean, do, are you aware of that? Are you connected? It's... Most of the time, we all sometimes slip up. Um, you know, it's all about balancing your energies, balancing your divine feminine, divine masculine energy. Um, you know, divine feminine would be more kind of spiritual sense. And divine masculine would be more kind of grounded sense. Um, and, um, and you know, a divine feminine would be more about love and kindness and everything like that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I would say 80% of the time I am. But as you know, Pete, yourself, when you've got two children and sometimes they misbehave, Sometimes the emotional intelligence can sometimes slip, uh, but 80% of the time, yeah, I'm pretty much there. Um, my aim in life is just to help other people. Um, my aim in life is to try and help businesses. So I work, so, um, I work with big companies like Dell. So for example, this morning before we went on, I had um, a, a, an hour coaching uh, online with the CEO of Okuko, which is one of the uh, top businesses in the world for in the optical lens industry, tech side. Um, and then I had a coaching session with um, a guy who's one of the executive directors at Dell. So I coached Dell as well. And then I was coaching a guy uh, who is the uh, owner of um, a, a business over in the West Coast of Ireland. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff I do. Uh, I do a lot of seminars, like next week, for example, I'm doing a seminar to the Camelot Group, which is a group of entrepreneurs. Um, so there's 150 of them there. Uh, I've got a one week after, um, you know, and it's all about, so I do a lot of business stuff. I talk about, you know, everything in terms of business, in terms of helping people with business plans, activity plans, uh, client mapping, time management, everything like that. But I also then help people with, I've got a course coming out actually uh, online and it's something that I do with businesses a lot. It's called high performance success without stress. It's about optimizing your performance, but also keeping those stress levels down as well and making sure you've got a good work-life balance, making sure that your health is at an optimal state as well. So I'm all about mind, body, and soul. Um, body obviously being nutrition, exercise, and proper rest, 
uh, mind obviously being about positive thinking and you know living in the now and then soul all about being kind of either healing uh, prayer or meditation uh, and meditation is something very key that i do and also i'm, I'm also a master teacher of four modalities of healing as well that's that's quite some resume uh, tell you just before we get in I'm, I'm really struck by your uh you know you've come across as heavily kinesthetic very doing very you know, that that seems to be, and I'm just wondering, is that tied to you? You, you, know, you, you mentioned yourself as being very emp- uh, empathic as well, you know. Is that connected? Is something you're aware of? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Um, I'm going to tell you a great story, and this will kind of highlight what I mean, because uh, I do believe that I'm very connected to other people uh, energetically. Um, I was with my daughter. Um, uh, we went out two months ago, I think it was, um, and um, I, I broke up with my um, uh, my fiance initially in March, and um, you know I was very tough. I was very upset and all that kind of stuff for quite some time. And then you know it was, it was a couple of months. It was in July. My my um, my kid said to me, "Dad, Mum met her man on Tinder. You need to get out and find some young lady." And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready." And all that kind of. And she goes, "Right, Dad. She's only twelve. She goes, right, Dad." I'm taking you out and we're going to get you some new clothes and, blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, all right. So off we go down into, uh, into Dublin and uh, on the way back, we had a lovely day. And on the way back, she said to me, your energy stuff that you talk about on stage, I think it's a load of rubbish. And I said, to her, okay, Sarah, well, let me just prove to you that it works. Let's choose a friend of yours that you haven't seen during COVID. And we'll see if we can make it happen that, uh, that you bump into her or hear from her even. So literally, I got, um, uh, I got her to say, I said, I got her to say, right, say, I am grateful that I am going to see Jane, let's call her. And uh, she said, I'm grateful I'm going to see Jane three times. And then I said, close your eyes, and I want you to visualize Jane getting in touch with you. So she closed her eyes and she visualized. And I did the same because I know who Jane is. It's not, her name isn't really Jane. I'm just making it up for the, for the podcast. Anyway, so um, I brought her home, brought her back to her mother's, and um, actually that night then my son was coming to stay with me, so I was waiting on my son bringing his bags down, all that kind of stuff. Sarah went inside, and there was a letter for her, and she never gets a letter. And she picked the letter up, and she opened the letter up, and sure enough, it was from Jane. And, uh, you know, you can't make these things up. And, and I'm sure people out there, I'm sure the audience have had, you know, circumstances where they've, they've thought of someone, or something like that, and the next minute, you know, they're bumping into the person. I'm sure that ha- has happened to you as well. It's, it is amazing, isn't it, really, that, that sort of connection. But in terms of your, your tipping point, if you like, I mean, did that come from the, the sort of NDE, the near-death experience, or was it always before? Uh, have you always sort of been aware of, you know, spirituality and, and just manifestation, etc.? Well, I have to say my mum has been a Reiki master, um, for about 25 years, I think it is. Um, and I'm 46 now, but when I was, uh, when I was in my 20s, uh, in fact, my early 20s, um, I never used to go off to Ibiza or anything like that. I always used to come back to Dublin and see my parents, my cousins, my friends, and everything like that. And um, my mum used to do uh, practice on me in terms of Reiki. And I don't know what it was, Pete, but I tell you what, every time she gave me a Reiki treatment, I'd go out that night and I'd be lucky with some young lady. Um, I think it must have been the, the, the aura was shining or the energy was booming or something like that. Um, so I did believe in something. I believed in energy. I was drawn to the likes of Tony Robbins. I read uh, Stephen Covey's book, um, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, quite young, um, in my early 20s. 
um, I was listening. I was when I was a salesman working for HSBC asset management, selling stockbrokers out in the in the road. I would be listening to tapes all the time in the car on Tony Robbins or, any, or someone like that, trying to learn. So I was into more of that kind of personal development side in terms of the spirituality. Um, well, I, I, as a kid, I did believe in God, and uh, I always believed in God, and I did pray. Uh, a classic story, actually, which I will tell the audience, which is quite cool. Um, when I was eight years of age, I had this gorgeous girlfriend called Claire. And um, Claire and I used to play Kiss Chase all the time in school, um, and we were massively in love. It was lovely. And anyway, eight and a half, my dad came up to me and said, right, we're moving to England. And I was like, what? We're moving to England? What, what about Claire? Uh, can she come with us? And he was like, don't be silly. Anyway, so we moved over to England. And I was praying and praying and praying and that, you know, that I would see Claire again. And uh, we lived in England for seven years. And eventually, when I was 14, then we moved across to uh, Belgium, uh, to Brussels. And I went to the British School of Brussels over there. And um, I had to go into like a pre-class class, class uh, before I went into the actual school. And there, standing next to me, going into the same class at the same time, was this girl called Claire. Um, so her parents had moved from Ireland to Birmingham and then Birmingham to Belgium, and she happened to be going into the same class at the same time with me. So I kind of thought, wow, I've got something here I can create. And then uh, it's funny, I mean, I'm a, I, was I into spirituality? No, but I did believe in something, and I believe in energy. And um, when I was in the investment management world, I would always be, you know, I'd be going into the meetings, and I'd say, I'm gonna have a fantastic meeting with this guy, I'm gonna have a fantastic meeting with this guy. Or I'd be going into work, so I'd travel into work, into the train, uh, sorry, into the train station at London Bridge, and I'd be walking up to Liverpool Street Station, and I'd be whispering to myself, I am the best salesman in the team, I am the best salesman in the team. And I would bring in more sales than anybody else based on that true belief, but also I think by putting the, the word out there, you know, the energy out there. I, I believe that everything is energy, and I think I always believe that, because if you think about it, this body that we're in is just like a, a vehicle, uh, but the actual energy that's within us is what is in everything. I mean, even in a lump of lead, if you think about it, the, the, you know, the, the atoms in a lump of lead, the, the protons, the neutrons, and electrons inside those atoms are still moving around, they're vibrating. So everything vibrates. So if you get into the right vibration yourself, you'll attract positive things into your life. Um, I found, now I was having ailment after ailment after ailment, and then eventually after my near-death experience and I got into the healing stuff and I got into a higher vibration, I mean, I was going to the doctor before 2013, I'd say maybe at least once a month, probably two or three times a month. Now, I think if I've gone in the last, since 2013, more than three times, um, I don't think I have. So, you know, I'm in perfect health now, and I believe it's all down to vibration and how you think, how you act, and how you feel as well. Talk to us about that sort of switch over from ill health essentially to great health. I mean, what, what, what happened? What changed? I think my thoughts changed and my behaviors changed and my emotions changed. And what I say to anybody in life, if, whether it's a, an emotional situation where you know, I had a client recently who was abused by her uh, uncle when she was a kid. Um, I had another one, um, you know, who just went through some very traumatic times. Uh, her parents uh, split up and uh, it was very traumatic for her. And I said, look, go back into the situation and understand what were the thoughts that you had at that particular time that made you feel bad? 
What were the behaviors or the habits that you did to make you feel bad or even worse? And what were the emotions that you were feeling at that point in time as well? And I think what I was having was stress in my point in time. And during that time, when your thoughts are, you know, am I going to still have my job? Am I going to get this business in? Am I going to be able to support my family? Am I going to be able to, you know, support my mortgage? Whatever it is, those thoughts going round in your head again and again and again and again, that causes uh, disharmony within your brain and a disharmony within the body. And that causes what I would call dis-ease in the body and in turn can cause disease. So... What happened was, after the near-death experience, I think I kind of radio channeled, just changed slightly as well. And um, then when I got into the healing as well, and learned how to heal myself and learned about meditation and learned about mindfulness and stuff like that, my thoughts changed. My thoughts, I was always a very positive person, but I did worry. And I think what I realized is that where focus goes, energy flows. And if you focus on what you want rather than what you don't want, then you can change. And also when I had that near death experience, I realized that everything that happens to you in life is a gift, good and bad. Like my fiance walked out in March and I have done numerous uh, life coaching uh, sessions with someone else, with me, to understand, you know, um, where I might have gone wrong in the situation. Now I can blame the other person and we all get that situation where we can blame the other person, but actually you're involved in the situation. And regardless of what happens, you have to take responsibility because you're in that situation and you have to take responsibility for your actions as well as the other person. Even if someone is saying something to you negatively, I'm not saying that was the case at all, but even if there was, you have to be able to uh, take responsibility for you. And I started taking responsibility more for my actions, my thoughts, my behaviors, and my emotions. And that's what changed in me. And that's why the vibrationary effect within became healthier and I became healthier as well. What does fire in the belly mean to you? Fire in the belly uh, means wake up in the morning with a mission that you have and you wait, God damn, I'm ready to go. Let's get going. And you zoom out of bed. Uh, you make your bed. I always say to people, make your bed. Because if you've done one task for the day, you'll do the rest of your tasks. And then I always say to people, you know, write down gratitude or be grateful for everything you have. And just embrace each day as if it's your last. And have a real goal. Make sure you have, you know, you don't have to write down goals all the time. But I do, I do advise people to do that. Mm. But just know what your mission is in life. I always say to like, your name is obviously Pete. Uh, if I ask you this, Pete, do, do you think your name is Pete? Uh, do you believe your name is Pete? Or do you just know what your name is? And you know it, obviously, right? So know what you want in life. And regardless, because there will be, regardless of the ups and downs, just keep focusing on the fact that you know you're going to get it. And when you know you have a mission in life and you know you can do it to help other people, then you'll just jump out of bed with energy every day. And I must admit, I sometimes work till two or three in the morning. Uh, I was working last night till about two o'clock in the morning. And I had my first coaching call at 8.30 in the morning. I was awake at half seven. Um, and I sprung out of bed. Sprung out of bed, straight into the shower, cold showers. I, I highly recommend cold showers. Even if you start off just for like two minutes, keep it cold. 
It's, it stimulates the vagus nerves. It makes you feel fantastic. It grounds you. You feel great and you can get up and you can approach the day with even more fire in your belly as well. So fire in the belly for me is all about having a goal in life or a mission in life that drives you out of that bed like a rocket every morning. And it sounds like you, you practice that. You practice what you preach, right? hundred percent. I, um, I have a morning routine every morning, um, uh, which I do. And it just depends on, I have a set one, but I don't do it always in the same order. It just depends what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I do the meditation, uh, and the meditation in the morning tends to be visualization. So, um, I know like, um, my, uh, my fiance's uh, uncle, for example, is a highly successful man. He would be one of the most uh, wealthy men in, in Portugal. And uh, he wouldn't say he meditates, but he has a couch in his uh, office and he goes and lies down on the couch every day and he visualizes early before work starts, he visualizes everything that he needs to achieve during the day. He visualizes the tasks and the steps towards those tasks to achieve those goals. And then he visualizes as well uh, the su success of him actually completing the tasks, both during that day, then longer term as well. And by doing that, then you've almost got the energetic intention that you're going to succeed before you've even started. And it just helps you along the way. So that's something that I always try and do. I just, I, sometimes I do it even in the shower. Well, I might stay, stay in the shower a bit longer. I just close my eyes and visualize it. And actually, if you do it while you're having a cold shower, it's a great way of doing it. And actually, I always say when you're doing your affirmations, so I also do affirmations in the morning as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, I am feeling fantastic. I'm having a fantastic day. And uh, it's amazing, actually. If you're ever in a corporate uh, environment, which I used to be, and you go out on one of these corporate gigs, you know, you're drinking a bit the night before, you get into work the next day and you say to one of your colleagues, how are you feeling? And they go, oh, Jesus, don't talk to me. Oh, flipping horrible. Oh, not bad. Oh, oh, okay. You know, and if you keep saying that you're not bad or you're okay only or whatever, you're going to stay that way. So I always say, you know, fake it till you make it. Tell people you feel fantastic and you'll trick your subconscious and you'll feel like that. So, yeah, so I try and get up in the day and, and really self-motivate myself because I have an acronym which I use in my radio show all the time in terms of every single day you need to make it happen. And that maker acronym is all about, right, mindset or motivation. And you've got to motivate yourself first before you can motivate anybody else around you. Because um, it's like, you know, when they say when, when you're on the airplane, uh, you know, you put your own mask on first before you look after anybody else. So get the oxygen going for yourself and then look. So motivate yourself first, then you can motivate yourself, your team, and even your clients to buy your products as well. Secondly, in my acronym of make, it's uh, A is for actions or activities. And that's all about knowing where you are and where you're looking to get to. So in terms of a business side of things, you know, you might have, I mean, I, I help people with business plans, you know, uh, in terms of business mapping and everything like that. And so many people take a business plan, they write all their goals down, throw it in the cupboard, don't look at it until bonus time the next time. They take it out, they go, I oh, did that, didn't do that, and it's a waste of time. I always say, you know, put your target in for the year, put your target in for the quarter, the month, the week, and even the day. And then make sure that you have targets every single week to work towards, towards that end goal as well. Secondly, activity mapping is, is something I always preach in terms of the activity side. You know, in terms of activity mapping, you know, make sure that you balance your day in the best possible way. And I often say to people, you know, especially when I was leading sales teams, is do your main meeting of the day with the most important client at lunchtime because everybody has to eat. And then you can optimize your time by speaking to them while they're relaxed as well. And then I try and tell people geographically to put two meetings either side so that you can then uh, optimize your time. So you can do maybe some, you know, admin in the morning and then in the afternoon, maybe do your sales calls if you're in sales or do your meetings, important meetings afterwards as well. Because you'll have been in three 
meetings with clients, talking about industry stuff, talking about product stuff in the flow. And when you're in that flow, then you can get on the calls and you'll be much more, uh, you'll add much more value to the people that you're speaking to. Also, I find by, I, I used to find doing sales calls in the afternoon, particularly on a Thursday or Friday, uh, people were a lot more receptive because they knew they were going home very soon as well. So they're in a, in a much better mood, which is quite good. Um, and then in terms of activity as well, client mapping, you know, it's in terms of knowing your client so that you can actually make sure that you spend the right time with the right clients. You don't want to be wasting time with clients that can only give you a small amount of business. You want to try and make sure that you spend the right amount of time with the clients and give you a lot of business. Um, and that's all about targeting and everything like that. And then K in the, in the Make Ackman is all about knowledge um, or a knowing faith in yourself. And in terms of knowledge, it's all, it's all about, you know, know your client, know your product, know your industry, and match your client's needs to your USPs. Uh, or have a knowing faith in yourself. Because if you don't have that faith in yourself, who's going to have that in you? And then finally, it's energy and enthusiasm. And if you can optimize your energy, you can optimize your performance in life. And let's face it, energy is, is incredible. We talked about that earlier on. I mean, let's say if you walk into a room and two people have just had an argument, you can feel the tension in the room. You like feel like turning around and walking straight back out. Uh, or alternatively, like if you had a really, really busy week at work and you're absolutely knackered, but you've got a party to go to at the end of the week, you don't feel like going, uh, but you make a pact for yourself, like I'll go, I'll leave at nine o'clock and everything like that. Anyway, you arrive, there's like joy, happiness, laughter, banter. Next minute you're dancing your socks off and you feel fantastic the next day. Well, what is that? That's obviously energy dissipating from one person to the next, both negative and then positive. So as I said, if you optimize your energy, you can optimize your performance in life. I live by that mantra. That's awesome. I, lo I love that. Just it's, um, you know, it's just, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just cautious. I mean, do people get you in general? Because I mean, I, I understand a lot of the analogies and, and the, the sort of the wording and flow and energy and etc. But I'm, that's not for everyone, right? Well, you'd be surprised, Pete, because um, most of the people I deal with, um, you know, if you have a look at my LinkedIn, you can see like I've coached the likes of Stuart Lancaster, the Leinster coach, and he's coaching him in sales and marketing stuff. Um, I've been on stage with uh, Joe Peachy. Uh, Joe is ranked the number one sales trainer in the world, according to Global Gurus, ahead of Brian, Brian Tracy and um, Grant Cardone. Um, and, you know, I've coached some of the big, biggest CEOs in Ireland, um, which, you, again, have a look. I've got 42 LinkedIn recommendations there, which, you know, people are putting their, uh, their reputation on the line. And um, one of the, lot, the biggest things that's said in a lot of those is, is energy. And, um, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you're full of energy, you're going to succeed much more easily in your tasks that you're trying to do. Whereas if you walk up in the morning, I mean, most people in the morning, they're morning routines, they wake up and the snooze comes on, they're like, me, Mr. News, me, Mr. News, me. And eventually they get to the side of the bed and they go, oh, Jesus, why do I do this? You know, and they drag themselves out of bed, they drag themselves to the bathroom, they drag themselves to the train, they get on the train, they look at everybody else and go, why do we do this? And then they get in front of the computer and go, oh, why do I do this? Why do I do this? Why do I do this? So, look, if you wake up in the morning with energy and zest in your belly and fire in your belly, you know, then you're going to be you know, much more productive in what you do. You're going to think quicker. You're going to act quicker. And you're going to be quicker in what you do. And that energy will draw people in. And um, the reason why I was so successful in the investment management world and the, uh, the reason why I'm successful in the coaching world is because I'm full of positive energy. I mean, let's face it. If I was coaching a CEO and I didn't have this energy, they'd be like, oh, boring you know um and obviously i'm talking because we're in a podcast 
quickly and enthusiastically to try and add value to you and your audience. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I'm with some of the CEOs, I don't say a word for two hours and I let them talk. Um, it's about understanding. I, I'm very much, when I'm in the coaching environment, I've got two of these and one of these, and God gave me in that respect. So uh, listen uh, more and speak less. But obviously in this environment, um, you know, you're very kind and give me a bit of a chance to, uh, to have verbal diarrhea. <laughs> Sure. What else would you be doing on a Friday afternoon? I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to us about money, Doug. So you as a young fella. What do you want to know about money? No, mini Doug. Mini you. Oh, mini. Sorry, mini. <laughs> mini Doug. So uh, mini Doug. Um, so I had two loving parents. Um, my father was an orphan. And his dad died when he was two. His mum died when he was six. So he had a bit of a tough time, and um, but he uh, he got into IT at the right time in the seventies. Um, he was a highly successful man. Uh, he you know worked all over the world, and when he came back to Ireland, he headed up uh, Fidelity Investments, and he was president here, reporting straight into Ned Johnson, who at the time was one of the richest men in the world. And um, no, I mean you know a very successful man, um, and he, he pushed me. You know he's highly competitive, and he pushed me. Um, which was a good thing. Um, he's a very kind man. Um, actually, he's very. You should get him on the podcast as well. He's a, inspiring. At sixty something, he did uh, the Atlantic in a small, tiny boat with two other men or three other men, and then he did it again at about sixty-eight as well. Um, you know, and you know, waves going up and down and all this kind of stuff. He's, he was president of the uh, Irish Yacht Club, Royal Irish Yacht Club. He was president of the Rotary, um, and you know, he helps. He helped build a school in Zambia uh, for orphan children and uh, street kids. So he's a highly inspirational guy as well. Anyway, so having a guy like that um, uh, really helped. And um, he drove me a lot. You know, I'd come home and I might get 75% in the exam and he'd go, well, I didn't get 80 uh, and stuff like that. And um, he was also quite sporty as well. So he played hockey as well. And um, I, got, I was very into sport quite young. So um, I love sport. I, I discovered I had a bit of a talent for it. Um, at uh, 12 or 13 years of age, I was the southeast of England uh, 100 meter champion. Um, I was uh, third in the southeast of England gymnastics championships. At uh, 14 years of age, I started up my own football team um, where I managed and captained it. And, um, and then I got into hockey uh, as well. And um, yeah, and then I, hockey, I, I, I went from uh, you know, not even playing till I was 14 to um, when I was 17, 18, in Belgium, I was playing National League um, for one of the top teams in the whole of the country. Um, and then that's why I went to Loughborough, which is one of the number one sports university, probably in Europe, actually, and uh, got into the uh, first team there um, playing hockey uh, and uh, loved it. But then, um, unfortunately, Pete, I discovered women and, um, and having fun. And um, that kind of knocked me a bit um, for a while until I eventually started seeing girls, uh, as in girlfriends, um, when I was in my late 20s, and then got back up into you know, top-level hockey again. Um, so yeah, I was very sporty, um, very competitive, as young mini Doug was always very competitive, um, and played every sport under the sun, and loved it. And then when I was in university, I was sports secretary for the university, um, used to work in the bars and everything, it was very social. Um, and also, I have to say, young Doug uh, in, in, in Loughborough University 
you're going to remember Pete, like those people like, uh, do you remember Johnny Bell who played for Ireland in rugby? So he was a friend of mine, you know, kind of six foot three or something like six foot two, whatever, I don't know, built like a, you know, huge thing. And um, there was many people like that in Loughborough and I'm only five foot eight and, um, you know, hockey player and all that kind of stuff. So in, in terms of competition for women, I had to try and learn how to use this and the charm and everything like that. So that's probably where I learned my sales skills in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of what helped me going forward in my job. And, um, and then obviously I went through my, my career, uh, got married, uh, was married for, uh, with, with my ex-wife for 15 years, uh, married for 13, had two beautiful children uh, who are currently 14 and 12. Who do you take after, your mother or your father then? Um, so I'm a mix of both. Um, so dad very much as a youngster, um, you know, very much followed his footsteps. You know, I played sport, played hockey, um, uh, went into the financial world like him, uh, worked my way up, up from customer services to, you know, head of sales and marketing and uh, board director. Um, so very much following him um, in that footsteps uh, until I had the near death experience and then changed to be a bit more like following my mum's path in terms of, Reiki and uh, you know healing and uh, and everything like that, and then I went at one stage. I have to say I went very very spiritual, like my mum, and I think my dad was a bit concerned. And um, he's like, "Why are you leaving this kind of you know job that's you know one of the top jobs in Ireland in terms of sales and marketing in the financial world to go and do this you know healing and coaching stuff?" Uh, but then I I gradually changed from just doing healing to much more kind of executive coaching. Um, and much more on stage stuff and then doing the radio shows as well. And obviously I've got this TV show coming out as well. And I love that kind of stuff. And it, because it gives you, I started doing one-to-one -one coaching and one-to-one -one, um, healing and uh, everything like that, uh, which I still do a lot of. Um, but then the on stage stuff gives you the opportunity to, to teach and help and inspire more people in less time. So that's why uh, I've gone down that. And I love being on stage. I have to say, I was talking with Jack Daly, who wrote uh, Hyper Sales Growth recently. Um, he was on my radio show. I'm good friends with him, actually. We chat quite a mastermind quite a lot. And um, we both said we really miss the energy of being on stage. I had eight gigs, mostly which I was paid for, um, leading up to the COVID close down and, um, you know, on stage, all that kind of stuff. And uh, one of them was in front of two and a half thousand people. And then, boom. We're, we're a closed shop for a while, but uh, I'm sure it'll come back. I know I'll, you know, I'll be back on stage soon. Uh, can't wait. I'm uh, really looking forward to get on trying to help and inspire as many people as possible. I was going to ask, I mean, what, what gets you in the flow state? And it sounds like being on stage seems to be one of them. Yeah. Well, meditation, uh, mindfulness, gratitude. I always say to people um, in terms of flow state, one of the best things you can do is uh, I, I have my gem, uh, another acronym where it's gratitude. Um, and gratitude is really important because let's face it, you and I have kids, right? And if you give your kid a present and they're not grateful, do you feel like giving them anything else? Of course not, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are not grateful for what you have now in this moment, however bad that is, if you're not grateful for what you have now, why would the universe or why would your own subconscious self give you, make you feel worthy enough to receive anything else? So that's why it's really important to be really grateful. I'm really grateful for chatting to you. I'm really grateful for the chance to chat to your audience. I'm really grateful for anybody out there that's listening. And I'm really grateful for everybody that's listening to this, having a wonderful rest of 2020 and a fantastic 
life going forward as well. And when you're grateful for what you have, and then you're grateful for the potential of what you can have as well, it opens you up to some amazing miracles and, and everything like that. So that's the first thing. And then E is for um, uh, energy and exercise, optimize your energy, you can optimize your performance in life. And then finally, um, and actually on that, before I go on to the next one, um, they, they've proven that school kids who do exercise in the morning are much better at the exams later on. It's been proven. Um, and then finally, M is for meditation. And, you know, I've had 150 people on my radio show like you, and I would say 99% of them say they meditate in some way or form. Either one, so they can visualize their goals and visualize the steps that they are doing to achieve those, or to reduce stress to increase energy for life. And that's why, that's how you can get into the flow. If you just do those three things every day and you eat consciously, uh, think consciously, act consciously, really, really good. And actually one more thing, one more tip I would really give in terms of getting into the flow, it's a really good thing to do is to write, to scribe. Um, when you wake up in the morning, just write down whatever comes into your head. Because the reason is, is it, it, it's, it, it kind of opens up your uh, creative side of your brain. And there's a great book which I have behind me here called The Artist's Way. Uh, it's just here, actually. Um, so The Artist's Way. It's a great book. I highly recommend it to people. Um, and The Artist's Way, um, it, there's something called The Morning Pages. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. Try and do, you know, three months of writing three pages uh, every day of whatever. And, like, you know, write down your gratitude, uh, everything you're grateful for. Then write a little bit of scribing about what you want to achieve in life, your goals, whatever it might be. Anything that comes out of your mind, even your problems, get your problems out there. It's a really good way to just create. And there's been a lot of uh, actors and actresses and authors who started by doing this. And by doing this on a consistent basis, then they suddenly became much more creative and they're able to create in their life uh, incredibly. And um, I highly recommend this. I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, and that's how you get into the flow. Do you pray? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. So prayers for me would be like positive affirmations said over and over and over again. So, for example, in the Christian sense, the Lord's Prayer has been said over the last two, 2020 years, probably more times than any other prayer um, in the world, probably. I don't know, maybe not, but one of them anyway. So it's not necessarily just the words. It's also the energy and the intention behind the words as well. So when I say to people, when you pray, don't just pray with this, don't just pray with your mind, really get the energy going in your heart and say your prayers. So I say prayers every day. I've got a vision board up there and there'd be prayers. And I would say, I am grateful to God that I am uh, in perfect health. I am grateful to God that I am inspiring people all around the world and being paid for it because you need to be quite specific about your prayers as well. Um, so it's funny, actually, a lot of people say, oh, I am grateful to God that I am a best-selling author and they become a best-selling author for one week, selling all their own or buying all their own books for their conference or something like that. And then um, after that, then um, that's it. So what I always say is I'm, I'm grateful that I'm a best-selling author, having sold 100 million copies of my books by the end of 2021 so that I can help and inspire as many people in the world as possible to achieve the goals that they want to achieve in life. So be very specific about your goals and put time on them as well. And, and, and in terms of prayers, say your prayers. In, in the Bible, it says, and they, someone asked Jesus, how should we pray? And he says, pray in gratitude. And the other time Moses says to God, 
who art thou? And he says, I am that I am. So that's why I always try and pray in I am grateful statements as if it's already happened, if that makes sense. No, it does. Absolutely. Because, you know, whenever you, you know, when you're talking to people saying, who are you? And they say, I am, then you, you know where you stand in many ways, you know? It's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. In terms of then of, of, you know, how, you know, you look at sort of pre- near death and, and now, I mean, how do you compare and, and can you almost contrast the two or? Yeah, well, I've always been, look, I've always been into sales. I've always been very positive. Um, and, you know, so I was always very positive like this. And uh, I wouldn't have talked about spirituality before. Uh, I wouldn't have talked about energy before. Um, it just was something that uh, I didn't do. Um, so, you know, if I knew that I was meditating, if I knew that I was putting, hovering my hands over people and, and healing them, um, I had some real miracle healings. Like um, I, was on, uh, I was on Grafton Street and, uh, in Dublin, and there was a guy that had been knocked out, and um, there was blood all over the place. I think he tried to interrupt two drunks having a, um, um, a uh, fight, and he got whacked, went down, cracked his head open, and uh, you know, people were really worried. And uh, I just went up, I said uh, to my kids at the time, look, I've got to go and help this guy. I went and put my hands on his, on his head, said a few prayers, sent him some energy, and he got up and walked off. Um, then I had a kid playing football against my son, and um, he was playing for Terenure against uh, us, Clontarf. And um, he got his knee knocked around the side and came off crying, screaming. He was about 10 at the time. And uh, his mum had called an ambulance. And um, I said, look, can I have a go? Put my hands on him, a few prayers. He got up. Went back on the, on the pitch. He scored the winning goal for Terra Nura. My son came out. He goes, Dad, why did you heal him? <laughs> I was like, well, I, I have to. I have to heal him ever. So, um, so, yeah, I've had a lot of stuff like that. And I've also helped people with emotional problems as well. Uh, there was a girl who was like a, um, uh, uh, like she was completely uh, no confidence whatsoever. Um, she was just not coming out, not meeting anybody. And I met her through a friend and um, uh, I ended up doing some work with her, some life coaching and a bit of healing and stuff like that. And um, she actually spoke at one of my gigs. I had like a hundred people at one of my gigs and she got up and she just said a few words and you know, the confidence change in her was phenomenal. So, um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a really nice thing. So you talk about energy. Do you, do you feel it? Do you see it? Do you, what, what way? Yeah, very much so. Um, so uh, for me, um, so I, I've been, you know, I've been doing a bit of dating, for example, and um, you know, for me, um, it's all about energy. Um, it's not about for me. I, I I want connection on on the energetic level, on the the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, and the physical. And when you have all of those, and you find you know your soulmate um, or the one, whatever it is, then it is. So yeah, for me, I very much feel energy, and um, energy is so important, and it's, it's phenomenal. Like, you know, I've been in meetings and um, I can sense the energy in the room. Um, I had this meeting once, so uh, we ended up, um, sorry, the sun's really shining in here. Um, I can I see might, you getting blinded there. I tell you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to hold this up so I don't lose you guys. But at the same time, I'm going to get up and I'm just going to close the blind here so that we don't have that uh, in my face. Perfect, um, there you go. There we go. That's a bit better. So, yeah. So, um, so I was in this meeting um, with, um, uh, I was in the meeting with, uh, you know, a bunch of clients and we'd actually, I was working at Threadneedle at the time and um, I'd sold about 250 million 
uh, units or stocks basically of our emerging market debt fund to a company. And, um, but we lost the whole team because there had been a rogue trader. It was in the press. I'm not giving it any away. It was a rogue trader in like 2011. And um, then going into 2012, the team just got fed up and they left and went somewhere else. And there was nobody left. Anyway, I managed to, we had one guy left, sorry. And he was a Brazilian guy. He could hardly speak English. Um, but I trained him up, trained him on uh, presentation skills, which I something I do actually, train people both. Because obviously I've had the, the sales side, but now the media side, because I've been on stage with, you know, uh, ex-prime ministers, film stars, sports stars, and, and many others. And um, so I train people on both, both media and then on the, uh, the sales skills as well in terms of presentation. Anyway, so I was training this guy up. We went into the meeting and he started talking and I obviously top and tail. So I obviously give the intro and talk about it a bit as, as the sales director. And then he goes into the actual nuts and bolts of how he runs the funds and all that kind of stuff. And he just, his language skills weren't good. And I, what I did then, I could feel the energy of the guys that wasn't good. So what I did then is I just thought, okay, I need to hold the space and just send positive energy as much as possible to everybody in that space. And you can do that through your heart. You just send positive energy to them as much as possible, positive vibes, just almost like, I know this sounds a bit weird, but almost like thinking like, I love you kind of thing, you know, kind of that kind of, you just send the positive energy to people. And suddenly the fund manager just suddenly sparked off talking about his trades and he became much more enthusiastic. And then I could see the change in the energy of all three of the analysts. Uh, they suddenly went, okay, there's a bit of, because the energy changed and the energy be between them all interacted in a positive way. Anyway, and we not only kept the business, they added another 230 million over the next year. And Pete, you get this. So I was concerned they were gonna take the money away. So I also introduced them to another fund manager, our European equity fund manager, just in case so they could move the money internally rather than taking it away. So they'd save on capital gains tax. And they not only kept the fund, but they also bought into the other fund. So they gave us three, over 300 million into the other fund as well. So with a potential risk of like 230 million or something like that, whatever it was, we ended up getting, I think by the end of the year, they had went up to like 830 million with us or something like that. So it was a fantastic turnaround. And that was very much down to energy um, in, in that way. So yeah, I do feel energy. Um, I uh, often will go in and, and see a client one-to-one -one as well. And I can sense their energy and sense how they feel. Um, and when they're talking about certain things, I intuitively will know whether they're passionate about it whether it makes them feel good, whether it's going to work for them or whether it's not going to work for them. And I can utilize that to help them in best possible ways through intuitive thinking, intuitive understanding of how they actually feel, if that makes sense. Mm. No, it does. And it's, 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 um, it's awesome to, to, to come across that, I suppose, in many ways. What, what are you most proud of? Uh, well, my two children um, would be um, what I'm most proud of um, in terms of life. Um, what am I most proud of? Um, well, look, if, if, if we went back to pre uh, near death experience or even at the end of 2012, it, I, I would have said probably, you know, turning uh, a business from 50 million to 1.75 billion in six years uh, per annum, that is, um, I would have been proud of that. Uh, I was very proud of um, playing hockey at a high level with, you know, I mean, Jason Lee, who was the coach of the British Olympic team, the UK Olympic team, um, or English Olympic team, sorry, uh, in 2012, um, I played alongside him. He was centre forward, I was right wing in Loughborough. Um, so I'm very proud of that. 
um, in sport, uh, in business. Um, I'm proud of my business over the last two years. Um, actually, I had a great, I'll tell you a great uh, story. So um, I, uh, I currently coach um, SVP and VP level at Dell, Dell Technologies. And um, I was, it was just before COVID, it was about early Feb. Um, I saw that the uh, president of Dell over here was promoted. And I sent him a, a message saying, congrats on your, uh, on your promotion. I wish you every success. And um, he came back to me on LinkedIn saying, uh, thanks so much, Doug, really appreciate that. And I went back to him and I said, uh, uh, let's just call him John because I don't want to give away his name. Um, but I said, John, look, you know, uh, if you're interested, uh, I'd love to come in and have a coffee with you sometime. I'd even come in and do a, a talk for you guys. Here's one I did earlier. I recently spoke at the National uh, Workplace Wellbeing Conference. I talked about making sure you get your teams aligned, working together and having a mission in life, a mission in, in, your, in your job. And um, anyway, he came back and said, actually, Doug, I, I'd like that. And he CC'd on LinkedIn his secretary. And within two weeks, I was going in to see them. And uh, I, I was proud about, what I was proud about in this situation um, was the process that I use, and it'll help people out there, I hope, in terms of sales. And what I did was, um, I did a lot of research, and research is key when you're going to see someone. Make sure you do the work beforehand, because it makes it so much easier. Like, I did loads of research. So I went on his Twitter, I went on his Instagram, I went on his um, uh, LinkedIn, and I had a look and got a good profile of what he was like. Um, so I saw, that, for example, that he was the president of the American Chamber of Commerce. And I've spoken at the European Chamber of Commerce, the Junior Chamber of Commerce, the Dublin Chamber of Commerce, and the Tanzanian Chamber of Commerce uh, doing talks to them. Then, on top of that, um, I also saw that um, he was, uh, I think he was like one of the uh, committee members or the president, I can't remember, of the Special Olympics Committee um, for Ireland. So, and I'm a, an ambassador for the Wooden Spoon, which helps uh, mentally and physically physically uh, disabled uh, children um, and it's through the Six Nations Rugby and I, I, I used to help that a lot. I used to do events uh, through my company actually but to help and give the money to, to the charity. So obviously there's a link there as well and then he was a big Munster fan. I'm a big Leinster fan. Obviously on my radio show I've interviewed uh, you know quite a few of the Leinster players. I've met quite a few of the Leinster players and all that kind of stuff um, and then he's got two children. I got two children. Then I saw online he'd been over to China, which was in February. So obviously, you know, you know COVID was actually up and running over there. Uh, and then I saw that he'd been in Morocco as well. Uh, and he did a speech uh, online and um, he was very good. He did some really good presentations there and all that. So I had a good idea about him and what he was interested in and everything like that. So beforehand. So I arrived in, went into their offices. And there was a picture of him up on the wall with his, his jacket done up like this. And it was quite a hot day. So I actually kind of like went, okay, matching him. Buttons up, done, done up as well kind of thing. You know, just uh, you know, to be smart and make sure that I, I, I was in the same kind of format as him. And uh, then he came out. And I actually had noticed that one, they didn't have a mission statement behind the reception. And two, the energy coming out in and out of the door was fantastic. So I said to him, I said, you know, I almost gave his name as well. I said, John, it was an absolute... Fantastic to meet you. Um, I see uh, you know, the energy that's coming out the door here is just fabulous. Uh, obviously, you've created a really good aura within the company. Um, you know, so fair play to him. And he liked that, obviously. And then I said, look, you, know, I, you haven't got a mission statement, though, uh, behind reception. 
I said, I'm, I'm surprised, you know, I was talking about this last week that, you know, when you go to Microsoft, they have their mission statement. So when they kind of walk into work, they look up and they go, wow, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Yes. Uh, and he kind of thought, yeah, that's a really good idea. Went into the coffee shop and, you know, we're in the coffee shop. Um, and I said to him, I said, uh, John, you know, um, I see that you are, um, you know, the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I used to do the, you know, I've done speeches at uh, all these different Chamber of Commerce as well. If you're ever interested, I'll be happy to come in and do a speech for you guys to add value. Oh, thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. And then uh, we went on and uh, I said to him, I said, oh, by the way, I see you're in the Special Olympics Committee. I'm in the Wooden State, Wooden Spoon kind of thing. Oh, that's very interesting, Doug. Connection again. Then I uh, talked a little bit more to him. I said, actually, I see you're a Munster fan. I'm a big Leinster fan. But I know Frankie Sheen, who used to play for uh, Munster uh, very well because he does the Pendulum Summit. And I know a lot of the speakers because they've been on my radio show. I've actually had Norma, uh, Frankie's wife, on my radio show as well. Oh, I know, I know Frankie as well. Ooh, we're great. And then I said to him, I said, look, I also saw you. You were in China. Well, what happened there? You know, did you have to uh, quarantine when you got back? He said, yeah, two weeks. And I said, well, I saw, and then I saw you were in Morocco and you had a fantastic speech over there. I said, you know what? I've been in the speaking world for quite some time. If I was your agent, I reckon I could get you 30 grand every time you spoke with your tenure here at Dell. And at that point, he was like, let's go upstairs to my office. And we were obviously going to sit in the, in, the, in the coffee shop, but he said, let's go up to my office. So we went up and on the way up, I said, look, I see you've got two kids. I've got two kids. Um, you know, again, creating connection, creating commonality and creating a good rapport, showing that I'd done my research. And that's what you need to do in business. And that's what you need to do in sales and even in life, you know, whatever it is, even if you're meeting someone on a date, if you can try and understand, ask them the questions as much as possible. So we got up to his, his, um, his office, we sat down and after a bit more of uh, small talk, I eventually said to him, I said, look, is it okay if I tell you a little bit about my business? And what I was doing there, Pete, is I was asking for permission to be able to sell rather than just going into it. And uh, he said, of course, Doug, what do you think you're here for? So I said, look, I don't want to tell you about what I do. I'd rather get people who I've worked with tell you what I do. Um, and give you an example. So I said, look, one of the people I coach is the CEO of Okiko. He's a super guy. He's built this business from scratch. He's built it up over the last 20 years. Uh, and it's one of the biggest optical lens software support uh, companies in the world. And um, so there's a, he had, uh, this guy had done a really nice LinkedIn recommendation for me. So I showed it to him. And uh, I said, look, what I've done from him is when I went in there, you know, um, he was, uh, you know, he wanted to increase sales. So we did some work on the sales team and the sales commission vote process, um, just rearranging how the process in terms of sales worked. And we also did some affirmations. We did some goal settings. And uh, within a very short space of time, he got two $50 million deals coming in um, that he hadn't had before. And then he also got uh, from a client, which I can't tell you who, but a UK-based client um, that he'd been trying to get for ages. He got like a six million quid deal straight in as well. So that was that on, the, on, the, on that front. He also, um, you know, being such a busy man in terms of working, his relationship with his wife and his eldest son wasn't great. So I just put some ideas in terms of work-life balance. Um, with his son, I just said, give him a hug every day, you know. Um, and um, very rapidly, he changed that. Within a few months, he was having a great relationship with his wife and a great relationship with his eldest son. Then there was a few management issues in terms of, you know, typical stuff, really. Um, so I just helped him with that in terms of meeting with the people and, and, uh, and helping him in terms of advice and everything like that. And that improved as well. And then he also needed to, um, you know, just get a bit fitter and uh, lose a bit of weight. So again, because of my hockey background and everything, I helped him there as well. So I told this whole thing to the guy as one example of what I did with one person 
And he said, right, Doug, you don't need to tell me anymore. I'm going to take you forward for coaching uh, with so-and-so in HR, uh, consulting with so-and-so, uh, corporate training with so-and-so, and keynotes with someone else. And um, that was it. So I didn't say anything more. I shook his hand. was so grateful for his time. Walked out the door, got in the car, drove about five minutes away to the first garage I could find, pulled in, got the, uh, the phone out, and typed him a thing saying, John, so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful considering how busy you are. As discussed, I can provide you services for corporate training, coaching, consulting, and keynotes. And in fact, I'd be delighted to have you on my radio show sometimes because you are a true inspiration as well in terms of the business world. And then this guy who's looking after 170 something countries around the world and God knows how many, I think it's like something like over 130,000 people came back to me within 10 minutes saying, CCing in all the people within the HR. Doug, I'd like you to meet Sinead. She'll take you forward for this. Doug, I'd like you to meet Need. She'll take you forward for that. Doug, I'd like you to meet so-and-so for this. And it was done because of just purely thinking about the other person and asking the right questions rather than telling them how great I was. I did not sell or tell how good I was once in that sale. All I did was find out all about him, match our commonalities together, and then use another person to sell for me. And that is the key to selling and the key to business growth. I was quite proud of that one. And now I'm coaching Dell and um, you know, I've got several, clients, several clients in Dell and it's been fantastic. And through that, I've managed to get other people. In fact, now I'm, I'm coaching an ex um, uh, NFL pro footballer. Um, I've got solicitors. I've got business people. I was coaching an engineering firm um, and a load of other tech firms and, and financial stuff as well. So yeah, so that's, that's probably one of the proudest moments in my job. I'm quite proud, obviously, of the radio show as well. I mean, you know, I just thought I might get like friends and family coming on, you know, and end up getting people, as I said, like Jamie Heaslip, Stuart Lancaster. I had Gary McGann, the chairman of Paddy Power Betfair, used to be the CEO of Aer Lingus and uh, CEO of Smurfits. Um, and then obviously I had the secret film people. I had Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Super Soul. I think he sold about 500 million copies of that. Uh, I had Dr. John Martini who was on the secret film and the secret book. And then I had Lisa Nichols as well. And these people have become friends of mine now as well. So, um, so now, yeah, I've got other people really cool. So Lisa's coming back on. Um, I've got uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. We're just arranging the last uh, bit in terms of when he's going to come back on. Uh, he's obviously world famous. And Jay Shetty as well. Uh, Jay Shetty's a fantastic guy. He's just written a book as well. Um, and yeah, so, you know, it's, it's just incredible to be able to have uh, a vision and then see that vision come into act. And that's what I'm proud of. That's awesome. I mean, there's, I mean, well done you. There's, there's so much there. And I mean, you said, I said, this has almost taken up speed in the last couple of years really for you. And it's, it's, it's blown up really. I mean, is that, was, is that not intentional, but is it where it's supposed to be? And do you think, are you, you know, is that going to continue on forward? Yeah, I think so. I think, like, um, if I have a look at the way things panned out, um, so 2012 was a near-death experience, and I moved back to Ireland because my father-in-law, or ex-father-in-law now, he's still alive, but he obviously ex because I've, I've split up with my own, um, he had cancer and kidney failure. And um, 
I felt, you know what, if, you know, if I was in my 80s, you know, I'd be delighted if my family came back and looked after me kind of thing. Um, so we did. And actually he had, he had, uh, talking about healing and stuff like that earlier, uh, he had 19% kidney function at the age of 82 or 83 and was told it would never go up. It would only go one way. And I actually gave him a healing and his kidney function went up to 23% and he's still alive and well today. Um, so in terms of, is it the right timing and is it meant to be? I think so. Um, I had told um, my marriage, you know, because of, we generally just uh, went our separate ways after the near-death experience because I became a lot more spiritual uh, and changed, I think, a bit as well. So the, the marriage gradually went like that. Um, and then we, we split up in uh, September 2017. And it was two months later um, that then I left Davy, my the place where I was, um, to start doing what I'm doing now. And, you know, I think coming back here, obviously I, 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 I'd done well in my uh, career over in England. So I didn't have a mortgage on the house or anything like that. So obviously that allowed us to, to split the assets and be very comfortable um, to be able to go our separate ways. And um, so that was kind of divine timing. And then, you know, and then I actually, funny enough, I wouldn't have met my, uh, my fiance if it wasn't for, um, you know, divine timing as well. Um, because, you know, she was an entrepreneur and if I'd been working at Davy, I never would have met her basically. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful for the time I spent with her. Um, and uh, there was so many much learnings there and, and, and she's a, she's a wonderful person as well. So, um, look, everything is divine timing and you learn from everything, every single experience in every single way. I'm not saying that the last two years has been a straight line at all. And uh, there's been a lots of ups and downs. There's been a lots of, you know, uh, heartache, um, lots of work. Um, but I've enjoyed every single moment of it. And I've learned so much from the people that I've worked with. And I'm blessed and so grateful for every single person that has come on my radio show, every single person that's asked me to help coach them. And I'm so grateful for the companies that continue to ask me to come in with them um, every single week. Um, it's, it's just a blessing to be able to serve and help and value to other people in some way or form. And you've got to remember, Pete, so I'm a, a trained fund manager and um, you know, I, I have the IMC, which is Investment Management Certificate, the IAC, the Investment Advice Certificate. So while at Threadneedle, we could go into any individual meeting with some of the top CEOs in the UK or even you know, in the world who'd come in and they want to us to buy into their company in terms of stocks and shares. So I got to sit in analyst meetings, listen to the, some of the top business people in the world um, saying what works and what doesn't work within business. And it was phenomenal. I learned so much there. And then I was dealing on a you know, B2B level to, you know, with the CIO and chief investment officer of JP Morgan and people like that. Top level people, CEOs of big companies, all this kind of stuff. So again, you learn from them as well. And having lived in so many different countries as well, I learned from that. And you can utilize uh, what you learn to teach other people. And with the radio show, you know, as I said, I've had, you know, multi, multi, multi millionaires, CEOs, chairmen, 
uh, top sports people, um, you know, phenomenal people coming on. And I learn from them what works and what doesn't work in their businesses and their life to be successful. And I utilize everything I've learned to help other people. And like yourself, because obviously um, you know, you're into the same kind of stuff, um, I would read or listen to you know, at least two or three books every week uh, to try and learn more and more and more. And everything that I learn, I utilize to help my clients as much as possible. I was just going to ask you, are you naturally a reader, a listener? What's, what's your preference for learning? Uh, listen, so I, I listen to uh, books at uh, either 1.5 or 2 times speed. Um, and I go running and I go walking. Um, I live literally five minutes from the sea here. Um, and then, so I go up the seafront. Uh, I've got Hoth, uh, which is one of the most beautiful places in, in Dublin. Um, and I go, well, I was walking up there actually at lunchtime just before I met you. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I utilize uh, the audiobooks all the time. And um, that way you can walk and exercise uh, and get uh, the information in, but keeping your, your body fit and healthy as well at the same time. So I was mm -hmm. doing that earlier on today before, before I saw you. Yeah. Oh, awesome. In terms then with, you know, upper management execs, you know, CEOs, et cetera, and, and the coaching stuff, what, what do you tend to find? Is, is there a commonality between what people are seeking or wanting or where they're at? I mean, from a coaching perspective, what, what are you observing? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's very different things that I deal with and it depends on the individual person. So what would I deal with? Conflict management, employee engagement, uh, how to create a better team environment, um, how to improve your presentation skills, your sales skills, your communication skills, uh, but also in terms of how to create the, uh, the optimize your performance uh, while keeping the stress levels down as much as possible. So I talk a lot about wellness as well. Um, so it's really tailored. My coaching is very much to, tailored to the person and what they're looking for. And now, I mean, God, in the next, the last few years, I probably coached over a thousand people um, in different ways or forms. Some, you know, for two and a half years during that time or more, uh, like the guys from, C uh, from Okiko who I was coaching this morning is a phenomenal guy. I mean, like incredibly successful, um, you know, and very well liked across the whole of Dublin, very well known. And, um, you know, he would refer people to me all the time and he's, you know, he's a super guy. And then there's other people that, you know, I've only had two sessions with and that's all they needed. Um, but some people use me for more like a business advisor uh, rather than just a coach, if that makes sense. Because I am, you know, going into so many different com companies and meeting so many different people. There's always an angle that I can help with. And also having reported into CEOs directly in the past, and also because I'm a non-executive director of a couple of companies as well, um, that kind of helps in terms of learning and understanding of what works and what's happening in the environment and everything like that as well. So you can use, again, what you've learned to help them. So it really depends on the person, Pete. Uh, it can be so many different things. It really can. I mean, you, you come across as the busiest man in Ireland, you know, and, and there's so much going on there and there's, you know, there's so much. I mean, do you, are you religious about your, your schedule and, and, you know, how you go about things or... How, how do you structure that much? Yeah, my management is key. Um, but, uh, you know, I have it pretty much down to a T now. I mean, like the radio show that I do, is it's only a half-hour radio show. I do it on Zoom now, obviously, which is like the same as you. 
um, so I don't have to go anywhere. Um, uh, the prep work, um, it takes me maybe, I don't know, an hour uh, to get the intro ready and just uh, do the research on the person, make sure I know and understand a little bit about their book or whatever they, they're, they're, they're wanting to promote as well. Um, maybe sometimes a little bit more, but it depends. So that doesn't really, that's not really that time consuming. Um, the coaching just happens, um, you know, um, the, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, when it was happening, obviously the biggest time consumption is getting to different gigs, especially cause you know, I've done, I did gigs over Like I was on stage with Lisa Nichols over in Florida. Um, I was over in London doing the, uh, venture capital investment summer. I was in London doing the London investment summit. You know, and then I was in Luxembourg doing um, another international summit as well. Um, so it, it's it's that kind of thing that it's the time there. But at the same time, you know, while you're traveling, you can be learning, coaching, doing whatever. So a lot of the stuff that I do, I could be doing from anywhere in the world. Um, you know, if I was in America now, um, if I had a 10 o'clock, I'd just get up at 5 o'clock in the morning if I'm on the East Coast and, um, and do, the, do the coaching. Um, I still have American clients now, so quite often, sometimes I'll be, you know, coaching at eight o'clock in, in the evening. Um, so, yeah, time is fine. Look, at the end of the day, at the moment, I am uh, single, um, so uh, that makes it a little bit easier. Um, but who knows? But even even when I was living with my fiance, um, it was you know, it was fine. She was an entrepreneur as well. We we're very respectful for each other's time. And, um, you know, it's a decent sized house, so there's different rooms we can sit in and do our own stuff. So, um, yeah, I look, the biggest thing I say to people is they get up in the morning and they suddenly, they get out of bed and they rush into work and it's rush, 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 rush. The best thing to do is to start off the day with a meditation, visualizing all the tasks you've got to do and then write them down and then tick them off one by one, by one by one. And if you do that, you don't tend to, and also I have to say, I've got two marketing people working for me. I've got two virtual assistants working for me. I've obviously outsourced my accountant. I've got a bookkeeper um, and I've got some salespeople. So, um, you know, I've got everything outsourced. So uh, it, like, really, I'm just kind of managing it, if that makes sense. Um, and it makes it much easier in that respect as well. No, absolutely yeah. well it's that's what it's all about really is sort of managing and, and multitasking as such you know it's sometimes what's a, what's a guilty pleasure for you a guilty pleasure well well i i don't know if it's guilty pleasure i i'm on my um i don't drink much um and uh i wouldn't be um you know i wouldn't be a big uh, I, I don't eat many you know naughty things shall we say i'm very healthy um so my i have a stable diet generally of fish vegetables and rice um and then for breakfast generally you know whatever but in terms of what i enjoy doing outside of work um i i'm a member of um, the tennis club just nearby squash club uh i will run so i went for a run at lunchtime before we did this running up on hoth heads it was beautiful uh, next to the sea it was just gorgeous uh, i enjoy swimming in the sea um, I love travel. So I went to India a couple of years ago for six weeks. Uh, I went to America then for you know a few weeks. Uh, at one stage I went to America uh, back in 2015 when I had some time uh, between jobs. Uh, I went over and took family actually at the time because I was still with my family. And um, we did uh, three and a half thousand miles around uh, California, Utah, Arizona, and Nevada. And uh, visited basically everywhere in California, 
Vegas, Grand Canyon. So I love all that kind of stuff. I love meeting people, uh, but you know, no guilty pleasures, put it that way. Um, pleasures, yes, but no guilty pleasures. It's always interesting to, a lot of people don't like the word guilty. It's always, it's, it's interesting, but you know, for pleasure and leisure, it sounds like you, you enjoy just getting out and being at, active by the sounds of it. Yeah, very much so. I, look, I've always been into sport um, and I, I believe in, it's like um, when you see those rivers where the water gets caught in the side, um, it's, it goes stagnant. And so let's face it, we're made of 70% water. Um, so or 65, 70% water, depending whether you're male or female. Uh, and you know, if you keep that flow going, you'll feel better in your, in your, in yourself as well. So very much into anything that's active that you can possibly imagine. And I, I do find that if I haven't been out there being active, I feel a bit stale. And actually while we're on that, I know this is, I'm just, I'm, I'm going sidetracking here, but this might add value to people. So that's why I'm going to tell. Um, there's a guy called Dr. Emoto. Have you heard of him? No. So Dr. Emoto used to do uh, experiments on water. And he used to take, say, uh, three containers of water. It's E-M-O-T-O. I can see you writing it down there. Uh, he was a Japanese uh, professor. Uh, and um, he used to get, let's just say, three containers of water. And he, he, you can look them up on the internet, and he, he shows you the results. And you have one here, one here, one here. Same water, same type of containers. And he would write on the outside of one container, um, gratefulness. The other one, he write outside, love. And the other one, he write outside, hate. And then he gave one to one set of uh, students, one to another and one to another. And he got them in separate rooms to say, I love you, I love you, I love you to, to the water. I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful, so grateful to the other water. And then hate, hate, hate to the other one. And then he took the water after about 10 minutes of them doing this consistently. And he put it in a freezer, left it in the freezer overnight. It obviously froze. Then he took it out and he looked at the molecules of the water um, on a, one of the most powerful microscopes you can possibly imagine. And it was incredible, Pete. Like the one with the, the gratitude and the love, are they're like diamond-like shapes. Have a look online, it shows this. Diamond-like shapes of the molecules like connected together, right? One in symmetry, beautiful. The hate one was all over the place. There was no symmetry, it was just all over the place. So if you think about this, if you wanna keep the flow of energy going through you in a positive way, make sure you're being careful about what you say who you hang, hang around with and what you think. So, you know, be very careful about that. I mean, um, you know, energy can affect energy. Energy can affect molecules. And that is proof of it through what his, he did uh, in, in that sense. So be very careful about that. I love, I love that example. It's, it's it just, it's unbelievable power. And we, I just think we barely even know the a fraction of what we're capable of and what's going on really. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Who, who can you serve best? Who can I serve best? Well, um, um, look, I, I can serve people in terms of uh, increasing performance. I mean, my trademark uh, talk that I do online and over at speeches, uh, there's two. There's one is high performance success without stress. And that's um, helping teams working together in the best possible way to perform in the best possible way. I can also help people get into what you called earlier on the flow. And uh, McKinsey did a study showing that if you're in the flow, you are 500% uh, more productive. Um, I think Forbes did a, um, uh, they did a survey and Forbes showed that happier people are 20% more productive, happier sales staff were 37% more productive. And get this, 
So they looked at uh, the Fortune 100 companies, the top 100 Fortune 100 companies between, I think it was something like 97 and 2004. Don't, don't quote the dates to people. They did something like uh, 14% annualized stock market returns, those top 100 companies. And then the average of the companies outside of that was something like 6%. So the happiness factor, the flow factor can affect the companies, the world and the economy so much so that that came into act. And actually on top of that, there's a great thing which I, I saw was, um, and I'm obviously from the stock market, so, um, so uh, it was phenomenal that I saw that if you have a look at the stock market returns, say just, just use the FTSE 100 for example, um, I think up to 2017 I saw this graph, and I think it was something like, uh, I think it was 80% of the time, 85% of the time, the stock market went up in the last two weeks of the year every single time, other than maybe two or something like that. And um, what that shows is because obviously the last two weeks of the year, collectively, we're all happy because it's Christmas time. And someone said, oh, no, that might be an accounting issue. But actually, if you look at the stock markets, not just in England, but in the world, let's take the US, for example, and you look at the stock market the day before Thanksgiving, the day before Independence Day, the day before Easter, the stock market 80% of the time goes up because people are happy. So what, what can I help people do? I can help them get into a state of flow, a state of happiness, and make sure they have the highest possible performance for the lowest possible risk to their health. And the other thing I can do is obviously, as I said before, I took an area in, in the investment management world, which is one of the most competitive areas in terms of sales. And I took it from 50 million to 1.75 billion per annum in six years. So I can help you in sales. I can help you in marketing. I help you in presentation skills. I can help you in PR and everything like that. But I can also help you get into the best possible states that you can perform as a team and get the people, the individuals performing in the best possible way for you and your business and for you and your life as well. And my aim, as I said earlier, is to help people find and connect with the true self within so they can find their true mission in life and achieve that in this lifetime. Wow, that's super powerful. I'm curious about flow. How would you describe flow to somebody maybe that's not sort of used to the term and and the state as such flow is when you're totally focused it's when you have a goal you have a a, a, a a chore to do a task to do and you're totally focused on it i mean this when you're you're living in the moment you're living in the now i mean i'm sure you've been in meetings and you've looked around the room that people are you know they're not they're disengaged they're they might be on their phone or whatever it is and they might be worrying about what their wife said earlier on or worrying about picking up their children later on Flow is when you're in the moment and you're absolutely focused on what you're doing in the now so that you don't have any distraction. Because if you think about it, I mean, how many times do we look back to say that uh, that dog chasing that fox, you know, he's got to be straight focused on the goal and not be distracted by the rabbit over there or the rabbit over there or the smell over there. Smell. It's just got to be laser focused on what you're doing. And when you're in the flow, you know exactly what you want to do and you achieve it through the best possible time, um, you know, in, in the best possible way. Oh, I love it. I mean, the, the flow state is something incredibly powerful. Uh, as a guide, I mean, what, what's a sort of good books or people to follow? You know, what, what would you recommend for people to? Yeah. To so um, in books, I love a guy called mm. Wayne Dyer. Have you heard of him? 
Um, so Wayne Dyer wrote some amazing books. Um, he wrote The Euronious Zones, which was one of his first books. sold about 40 million copies. It's a bit of a, it's a psychological book. Uh, the Power of Intention, he wrote, which is fantastic as well. Highly recommend that. Uh, Wishes Fulfilled, he wrote, which I highly recommend that as well. Then Napoleon Hill, everybody knows this one, um, is um, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, but what people don't know, he also wrote a book called The Laws of Success. And um, I highly recommend that book as well. It's fantastic. And then another book that I absolutely love, which was actually written before Napoleon Hill's book, uh, back in 1918 or something like that. And she's brilliant. Florence Scovel Shin wrote the book, The Game of Life and How to Play It. And um, I highly recommend that. Um, other books that I recommend, uh, well, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People um, by Stephen Covey. I've actually interviewed his son, Stephen Covey Jr. Um, and the other book that I love is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People as well, which would be fantastic. So um, they would be some of them, uh, the, my most recommended books to people. Some of them I've read loads of times. Um, oh, another book that I love was written by a guy called Frank Becker, and it's How I Raise Myself from failure to success in selling. He wrote the book in about 1918 or 1920 or something like that, but I must have read it about five times. It's just brilliant. Um, really good book, really easy to read, a lot of fun. And it's old fashioned selling, but it's actually, it's old fashioned relationships because um, you know, life is all about relationships and connection with other people. And you know, the first thing you need to have is the connection and the relationship with your own self so that you can get that self-love. Then you have the relationship to the connections with the loved ones that you have in your life, your friends, your family, your son, your daughter, whatever. And then you have the relationship connections with your clients, your colleagues, and everything like that. And if you can get that all going in the correct way, in the correct manner in your lifetime, um, you, you'd be pretty happy, I'd say. What, what do you desire? What do I desire? Um, I desire to... Uh, Try and in this lifetime leave a legacy and that legacy will be to try and uh, touch as many people's hearts as I possibly can on this planet. I say to people, um, when people, uh, I deal with quite a lot of people with grief and they say that they lost someone and um, I often say to them, I say, look, it is hard that the other person has passed on to their next life. Um, but think about the energy that they left behind, which never dissipates. The kiss that they gave, the hug that they held, or the kind word that they passed on. And that ripple effect of that energy through the people they touched and the hearts they touched, that lives on forever in this lifetime. So you never really die. Your energy continues through the people that you touch and the hearts that you bless with your presence. And I always say to people, I say to them, look, looking how wonderful you are, as a person, you know, and wonderful your family is as well. It shows that your dad or your mum left a legacy of love, a legacy of success, and a legacy of positivity on this planet. And that's all I want to do. I want to touch as many people's hearts as I possibly can out there uh, and try and help people to find the true love within and connect with their true self so that they can find true happiness within. Uh, within their lifetime and achieve whatever mission, and it's different for every single person in this lifetime, whatever mission in life that is for them. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Fire in the belly for you in one or two words, what would it be? Fire, fire, fire in the belly is to, as I said earlier, is to wake up in the morning, 
get out of bed, be grateful for everything you have uh, and just ready to take on your mission uh, during the day as if you're living your day as if it was your last day every single day uh, with an absolute passion in your heart for what you're doing. And that's what you need. You need to find your passion in life and try and make some money out of it as well. But remember, adding value to other people. I mean, there's a guy on my radio show um, called John Matoni. He wrote a book. He put it out there with the intention of maybe making some sales, getting on stage, everything like that. Didn't get anywhere. Uh, Ten years later, he relaunched the book. He changed the cover, uh, changed the title, put it out there with the intention of just adding value to people. And he became a New York Times bestseller. So whatever you're doing in life, don't go run after the money. Don't go run after the success. Just run after how many people can I really add value to in this lifetime? How many people can I really help and inspire in this lifetime? And that's fire in the belly. Awesome. Doug, tell us how can people connect with you, track you down, hunt you down, follow you? Yeah, so I'm on uh, LinkedIn, obviously. That's one of the best uh, mediums to get me on. Um, I do answer the LinkedIn. Uh, so it's just Doug Gordon, look under DNS Performance Optimization. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm Doug D. Gordon. Uh, on Instagram, it's Doug D. Gordon. On Twitter, it's Doug D. Gordon. I have three websites. One's called Body, Health, and Soul. That's my healing and life coaching. Uh, I've got DougDGordon.com, um, which is for my speaking and uh, for coaching consulting. Uh, and then I have DS. There's no and in the middle because that, that doesn't work. So DS, Delta Sierra, performanceoptimization.com. And that's my company, DNS, performanceoptimization.com. And there we're doing corporate training, consulting, and uh, coaching, uh, and also keynotes and cap intro. But on top of that, um, I, it's not just me. I have a lot now of um, executive consultants who are working with me who I offer uh, and help as well. So if you're a consultant, you're looking to get more, because I've got so many contacts now because of everything I do, um, I'm helping other consultants get work as well. Um, so they're my three websites, and they're the ways you can get in touch with me. Doug, it's been awesome to have you on. Thank you for sharing so much and being so open and yeah, bringing great value. So thank you. A pleasure, Pete. And thank you to everybody that's listened. Thank you for your time. And I wish you all the very best. And I hope you all can connect with your own true self and find your own true mission in life. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons, and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.